Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This episode is a conversation with Jeff Moffat, um, the frontman and vocalist of Omega Throne. I've really uh, been trying for a while to get him on, on the show or members of Omega Throne. I've been a big fan of them. Kind of in the early days of of, of becoming what they're, they're they're going to be doing some fantastic work and I've been very grateful to hear some some new songs by them some new tracks by them but every single time I've seen them live really been very impressive and that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to speak to bands who have uh, who are first sort of steps into into what they're doing and see them at the beginning of their journey so you the listener and um, can listen to out for these bands and maybe check them out and give them your support naturally I always speak to to bands, huge bands and blue are maybe for one of a better word famous, but it's always nice to speak to grassroots art artists and especially local artists because that is really what I'm trying to do, or at least the, the crux of one of the things that I'm trying to do is help my local scene in the best way I can, talking to these bands, about these bands, and getting you to hear these bands. And so great to sit down with with Jeff Moffat from Omega Throne. Um and he's what a what a great 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 guy. Just, you know, absolutely uh, brutally honest, and we we go deep dive on some extreme metal stuff and some stuff that you, that, that you maybe wouldn't expect. And he's brutally honest, and it just shows you what an interesting journey some people have to arrive at where they are now. And in this case, be being in uh, Omega Throne, they've got some shows coming up uh, and a very special show I can't really talk about yet, and, and a nice thing I can't really talk about yet, which I don't want to spoil for everybody yet. But there's some nice things coming. Um, I just want to kind of tease it and put a little bit of blood, blood in the water there. But for now. Here's my conversation with Jeff Moffat from Omega Throne. Ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, it's really nice. I've been trying to get uh, Omega Throne on for quite a while in, in various guises, and I've been speaking to Mark and, and the guys from them to try and get him on. But we've graced fantastically. We've looked out, ladies and gentlemen, because we've got Jeff Moffat on the show. How are we doing, Jeff? All right, mate? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I, I'm the token loudmouth in the band. <laughs> Being the vocalist, they, they go, right, you, you go do stuff that involves talking. So... <laughs> glad, glad to glad to be here. Um, so I was uh, I've seen the Omega Throne uh, a few a few times now, and we'll mm-hmm. get into new material and stuff and where you kind of go in with stuff. But I was just mm-hmm. right off the bat, I was really um, I was really thought it was really impressive of how you presented yourself, both via CD and the music you were doing and and everything. It seems like oh. you know a very complete package from the very almost the very beginning. Um, thank, you, thank you very much. Very kind words, sir. I thought that you just mainly because of uh, like these are three minute pop songs about you know colours and and the sky and 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 very simple themes. These are very complicated and involved uh, and, and, and on a high intellectual themes. Some of these stuff, you know, um, and I thought mm. that's what drew me in. And it was only when I listened to, uh, to like as a whole and repeatedly that I really got a really good sense of what you're about. And mm. what I want to do is start mm. almost at the beginning with you. Yeah. So if we go all the way back to when you're first listening to music, what is the first music you hear? And, and when does that become metal or heavy music? Well, what you've got to understand is I grew up in rural New South Wales. So mm. it's very much, you know, territory of we have both kinds of music, country and Western. Um <laughs> So, you know, and, and just a very, very much dearth of choice. Um, you know, so uh, I was blessed, however, by having uh, the, the one of the local record bars. I swear they just get job lots, 
you know, <laughs> and there would be weird stuff stuck in with the job locks. Yeah. So, you know, uh, like, uh, I mean, I, I kind of started down the path of metal straight away. The first album I ever got with my own money, you know, like with, with birthday money or whatever. And, yeah. and this will this, age me nicely. Was a... Uh, <laughs> was Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry. The album okay. has, like, we're not going to take it and, and yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I want to rock and all of that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, very bombastic 80s hair metal style stuff, but with a bit more of an edge, I guess, to it than mm. a lot of the the, 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 the poison and the, the various other stuff that was around at that stage. Um, so, you know, I, I think... If you're growing up a bit weird in a country town in Australia, you tend to um, gravitate to the other weirdos. Okay, so I had quite an eclectic uh, uh, musical taste growing up. So, yes, there was stuff like metal, but there was also um, I was a big fan of um, post-punk stuff like Killing Joke, um, The Cure, um, and uh, and... I think what got me onto the path of, of going down the, the, the sort of heaviness rabbit hole was when in the sort of mid and late eighties, the, the, uh, the albums of, of, uh, of, um, of the Slayer um, and, uh, and well, <laughs> here's a sad admission. The one that really hooked me in was Stormtroopers of Death. Okay. Speak, yeah. Speak English or die. A very, yeah. very highly politically incorrect piece of work. But oh my goodness, Scott yeah. Ian's work on that—the the chunky, chunky rhythm guitar sound that they had—and Charlie Badante and Dan Lilker and just the the idiocy of Billy Milano that appealed as well because they were metal. They were fast. They were good um, and tight. Uh, but they weren't um, they weren't taking themselves particularly seriously. But then, you know, towards the end of my high school years, some weird job lot stuff starts appearing in the local record bar, including the uh, a, a sampler of of um, stuff from oh goodness, what's his bloody name? He he was the the the, the radio producer for lots of weird music in the UK. Um, right. Died a, a few years ago, and and he just Put on all. He was the oh, guy. Who Tommy played, Vance. No, no, the guy who played. Um, he was on BBC, and he played. Oh, John Peel. Yeah, John, John Peel. They had a Peel sessions, a yeah. compilation that had um, Napalm Death and yeah, Doom yeah. and Extreme Noise Terror and and all of those guys on it. And I I just went, what the hell? Is this? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. god! You know, some rube kid. From from you know now or in South New South Wales, sitting there going, oh my goodness! And then I started to be able to regularly go up to Sydney, and there's a couple of specialist record bars there. I have to give a shout out to Utopia Records, which has been the home of heavy metal, self-described <laughs> in Sydney for like since I was a kid. And their yeah. their bargain bins <laughs> where <laughs> I got a lot of my stuff from. But yeah, that, that, that it's was so cool to hear. Like you, you, you mentioned John Peel. Obviously, you know, mm. being from from the Liverpool area, John Peel is is, is sainted. You know, it's but he, yeah, I mean, he essentially broke Napalm Death and introduced a mm. whole load of generation to, uh, you know, to a whole different sort of extreme side of metal that they would never have heard of before. And I remember I, he was getting his fellowship 
um, and I was there with, with my missus was getting her, her was was graduating. He did his fellowship speech, and afterwards, I yeah. I managed to get some words with with the master, and I was like, "Thanks nice. for putting those thrash metal records on oh. and talking about them." And and he seemed almost surprised. I was like, "No one was doing that. No one was talking about it. I would oh, never was... have heard of those things." And it's it just a a revelation because he was treating them seriously. He wasn't putting them on as oh, this is funny because it's different. He was like, This is a great record and yeah. story. Here it is, you know. Ab- absolutely, you know, carcass and a whole pile of other you know, mm. who are local boys to the region and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah. you know, they they were they were broken by the man into a sort of not really a mainstream because let's face it, extreme metal is never going to be a yeah. mainstream. I think it was just taken seriously, wasn't it? He just yeah, he, he yeah. took it as a, another musical form, just as important yeah. as all the others, and treated yeah. as such. You know, Ab- absolutely. And 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 the whole thing of like when people you know uh, sort of mock the, uh, the 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 guttural vocals or something like that. Him saying, "Well, you know, how is it different from from opera or something else like that?" That was that is just as illegible yeah. um, in its yeah. own way. Um, uh, you know, yeah, it, uh, uh, it, uh, props to the man, you know, and, and you know, rest his soul and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> he, yeah, uh, he's like, yeah, it, I mean, it, there's, a, there's a number of DJs that kind of really just were put, took these records seriously, took these bands seriously, and because of that, almost give them their stamp of approval. And they went on to do some, you know, you know, to be great stuff. Napalm Death is still touring regularly now. Absolutely. Are an established act, you know, and, you know, and an album almost every year. So they proved that the validity and the quality of what they've doing is timeless. It's, it's there, you know. Carcass's latest effort is, is, is a good yeah. listen, you know. It's, it's, um, it's a great record, yeah. Absolutely. And so when, when you're listening to, uh, you know, you go to these bargain bins and you're finding this sort of, these mm. edges of the map, sort of music and things and everything from yeah. i imagine you're listening to like bad religion and things like this and yeah absolutely uh, there's a huge, that dead, come I was a huge yeah. dead kennedy's fan I, I, yeah. I, I still think that 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 um that jello biafra has written some of the most cutting he's he's absolutely the 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 dk's at their best are like being smashed in the face with a with a wasp nest in a good yeah. way if that yeah, makes any, yeah. any sense but at all. And it's 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 interesting that you talk about some like like Stormtroopers of Death, like is a good example where metal goes even further to the to its to its extreme edges of you know, because that like Scott Ian's anthrax, but he's not, he's doing yeah. this and then and it's like when uh, you know when uh, nail bomb comes along and yes there's there's members who are in Sepultura, but then it's nail bomb oh, and that, sometimes that, that, that nail bomb when that nail bomb friggin' first album came out, that was a marvelous, marvelous piece yeah. of work. Uh, uh, to this day, I, and, and, and I just still being blown away. I was like, yeah. "What the fuck is this?" Same. Like, I just went, "Ah, oh. you know," because at the time <laughs> there was like a rise, and mm. after "Beneath the Remains" with a rise, I was like, "Uh, they're kind of like slowing down a little bit, a bit like Slayer did, and a bit like Metallica did dramatically uh, with yeah. the Black Album and all that sort of thing." And I was thinking, "Oh." Okay, you know, I can see you don't want to be playing the same stuff over and over and again. I can see you growing in that yeah. direction. It's not the direction that I want you to go. <laughs> Selfishly, who likes fast stuff? And that nail bomb album drive yeah. dropped, and I just went, "Oh yeah, that's that's." that's stuff. <laughs> I love it when 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 the metal crowd do that, where they go, "Listen, we're not, we're not on the extremes as well, but we're also going to take it a couple of steps further and just do the things that we want to do." and be damned of what it sounds like we want to do this is a group of people get together and goes and do and does these things and it's always yeah. sometimes 
where the cooler stuff comes from within metal. And it oh, takes yeah. someone to go and do something slightly away from what's going on to regenerate yeah. the original source, the original source of what, what yeah, it come from. I, you know? I think a great example of that is, is have you heard the, the, the Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny album by <laughs> Mr. Bungle? No. Right. Mr. Bungle, you know. And I like before- Mr. Bungle. You know, uh, uh, you know that their 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 first album was was the weird scar metal hybrid weirdness, and and they went on in into that more I guess avant garde sort of way. But when they first started, they were a thrash slash death yeah. metal band, and that raging wrath of the Easter Bunny. I've heard the demo and the production on its crap and all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> but then when they redid it and they did it tightly with Mr. Scotty and on guitar. Sure. It's a quality thrash album. It's it's just a really good quality you, thrash you, album. You talk about like you know, talk about a comedian and willing to push the edges of what's going on. Mike Patton is like you know, oh. a perfect example of that. Where it'll, 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 there'll be elements of rap, there'll be elements of spoken word, experimental jazz. Everything is thrown in, and it's and all available. And, and any you know, you don't know what you can go from peeping tom. To mm-hmm. faith no more, you know, yeah. and, and, and there's a, a world of difference, and that's like that's true artistry, right? That's true. That's a I true tradition. I have to admit to, to that. Um, I really didn't get Phantomass. He's right. The, the the one the one that he does he did with the bass player from um from Faith No More. Uh, from, no bass player from Mr Bungle, and they mm-hmm. had uh, they had Dave Lombardo, the guy from Slayer. Slayer, yeah. And and Mike Patton, and um, the guitarist is oh, I think it's Buzz Osborne I think the guy from the the Melvins the Melvins yeah yeah um, the guy with the big steel yeah, wool head yeah. coming out of his head um, but uh, I didn't get them when I heard the first albums and then I went and saw them live right and that was freaking amazing because they had. They had Dave and 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 Mike Patton because they're behind Mike Patton's behind yeah. all these audio gear and yeah. and and obviously Mr Lombardo's behind a drum kit. They're right up the front and you watch these guys playing this intricate, bizarre, you know, clashing sounds. Um, and they're just watching each other like hawks and and yeah. feeling the rhythms and all that sort of stuff. And you go, gee, because I always wondered how they wrote the albums, and you can see. They just basically played the bloody things. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. I mean, the Melvins certainly they're another they're another one. It's like they 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 they, they kind of danced with metal, you know, mm. on more than one occasion that they could go on any metal bill and no would no one would question yeah. that, you know. Absolutely. And certainly the stuff they they would do was is incredibly progressive noise, you know. Yeah. It's it, there, there was all kinds of elements of what we now call you know shoegaze and stuff and things yeah. like that oh, going yeah. in and, or sludge yeah. or something like yeah, that yeah you know? yeah it was um, like when you, you can go back to you can see where the lineage comes from go back to somewhere like about like the dwarves and you can hear where we get you know this kind of doom and we can hear where we where it kind of comes and you can step back and see these things in place at the time you know especially during grunge it was all labeled as grunge but if you looked yeah. closer yeah. there was more That's stuff grunge. going on in between the lines of it you yeah. know Absolutely, but even in the mainstream ones, you know, like you look at a band like Mud Honey compared with a band mm. like Soundgarden. Soundgarden's yeah. like a hard rock slash heavy metal band. You yeah. know, Chris Cornell with yeah. his soaring vocals and those chunky guitar riffs and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But it's very straight down the line. The song structures are, are, are pretty, you know, like like you know, I wouldn't say you know rubber stamp or anything like that. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but 
compared to something that's a bit more sloppy and and yeah. uh, and in- intentionally abrasive. Yeah, you know, yeah. Intentionally like, kind of like the Melbourne or with. the punky end of the spectrum, like Poison Idea or someone yeah. like that. You know, yeah. Um, and it was all just. Uh, we are lazy music people. <laughs> we are going to stand <laughs> yeah, with yeah. grunge in big letters. You know? Yeah, it's, so. it's it's weird, isn't it, that, like, that certain sides of, of metal and the connected tissue with it can often uh, get downplayed because they're like, oh, it's sloppy or it's it's loose or it's it's not clean or it's not... Uh, but that's an effect. That's an, act, that's an intention to do that, yeah. you know, to play with feedback. Like you can go back to Sonic Youth and see what they would mm-hmm. do, where it's like it's, yeah. it's intentionally presented as that way. This mm-hmm. isn't like a lack of musicianship. It's just an element yeah. of, of, yeah. of that that you haven't experienced presented in a different way, you know? One of the most spectacular examples I've ever seen of that is I saw Einsters and Neubauten many, many years ago. Like Blixer mm-hmm. Bargeld, he does stuff with, with uh, Nick Cave and, and, and the like. Yeah industrial sort of end of the things um they tour they, they they don't take instruments on tour they basically they turn up they buy cheap crappy stuff throw it together sit in a space make it work and yeah. like i was i i went there thinking uh, i mean i'm not a huge fan myself of the uh of the sonic youth mm. uh, i've seen them live a couple of times and i'm not a huge fan of the like three minutes of feedback so personally i find it a little self-indulgent that's just me other Mm. people thrive on that sort of stuff i'm not going to yuck someone else's yum as they say Um, (laughs) but it's it's just not for me and i was a little bit trepidatious if i can use a big word (laughs) going to see see einsters and know about that it was going to be that but no i mean most of the lighting was provided by like five 44 gallon drums full of fire. Yeah. They had mic'd them up so you could hear the flames. They're bashing on them. They're grinding (laughs) on them. But they're playing definitely recognisable tracks from albums and stuff like that and feeding them in and out of of walls of difficult industrial noise. Or or actually, the the most extreme one I've seen, I saw uh, butthole surfers playing on the locust Locust Abortion Technician, what an album <laughs> That's an album title. There you go. Um, and Jesus, they had big stickers everywhere saying, if you are sensitive to strobe lights, do not come in here. <laughs> walk in. And they had industrial strength strobes going off from the moment they started. I- and they had a big screen at the back and they're playing a frigging female male to female sex change operation footage of it so basically slicing open a doodle and pulling bits <laughs> and, and you know with walls of throbbing feedback and me and my mates who were just like <laughs> basically blow. almost too stoned to walk at this point have <laughs> staggered into this going yeah it's not our cup of tea but the tickets are fairly cheap whatever let's let's wander in <laughs> Not interested in the the support bands. We'll we'll yeah. stagger in late. That's fine. You know? <laughs> and then just walking into that and going, blindsided. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for a good hour and a half of this. Oh, <laughs> this is bending my brain. But um, I, I I'm like yourself. I, you like long feedback and and, and industrial noise and that's mm-hmm. Yes, I, I understand people love it. It's not for me, but I do like it when that bleeds into the more mainstream stuff, that's when it's really... So take, for example, like, you know, 
the things they're doing with uh, micing up drums and things like that, we're only two or three steps away from Slipknot using oil cans as percussive instruments. You know, we're, we're, we're in the same room there, aren't we, with that? And I like that when it blends in, when you get things like... Um, you get feedback and songs and, and, and unconventional stuff. That comes from the weird. It comes from the strange. When yeah. you were kind of growing up then uh, and you're listening to all these records and trying to take the, the, these things in, was there a band that really you latched on? Like one particular band where you're like, this is everything and I'm going to get as much as I can of this particular artist? Um, I mean, apart from the, the Mr. Patton, I, I, I have followed him for a very long time. I, I, mm-hmm. I went and saw... Faith No More in in ninety um, when they were touring on the real thing and that was that was a great concert. I just went, you're a great performer. You've got an amazing voice and 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 have kept up with his his stuff ever since. Yeah. Um, but but a lot of the time, I mean, yeah, there was like I think that for example, the first I think three or four more Morbid Angel albums, right? Really, I, Pete the Feet Sandoval. I'd heard his stuff on Terrorizer and just gone, wow. You know, yeah. this, is, this is grindcore, but tight, really, really. really? And Trey's playing's just, you know, criminally underrated. You know, criminally underrated, right? Oh, absolutely, and set such a template yeah. for 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 um for for what was to come. Um, yeah. and uh, with his the the the. the wouldn't say weird tunings. The tunings he's using on a guitar are fairly, you know, standard. But the the, yeah. the, the weird sense of of um, of uh, harmony that he has. Yeah, uh, he like, would talk about. He would talk regularly about his setup being extreme, very unconventional. And and when anybody else picked up this guitar, for example, would wail. It would just be like it'd be this dissonance noise because he almost harnessed it and there was an almost an element of a harmonic dissonance that he used to play with you know if you have a look at old photos like if you have a look at the back of uh, i think it's um the, the first album oh god but the, the, the one that begins with altars of madness i was going to say they make it easy yeah. by going a b c d you know i should be able to <laughs> what freaking album it is but if you have a look at the back of the there's a there's a photo of him and he's hacked a bloody uh Yep. Uh, he's cut yep. a bloody uh, uh, pentagram into his arm. He's obviously yep. sucked on it because he's got blood all over his mouth. He just looks like, yeah, um, yeah. And you can look, if you look at his arms, because his arms are clenched around the guitar, they're different freaking shapes. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, the, the, the picking arm is like one ten <laughs> basically armpit down to wrist. And the other one's yeah. just like this Popeye forearm <laughs> grabbing it's like I have played so much I have mutated myself. Yeah, look at what it's done. Look at look at what metal has done to me. Yes, yes. yes. But I love it. <laughs> yeah. But it's so so like the first sort of morbid angel stuff. Then is it, when at what point do we do we make the transition to going to see bands live? Then so in New South Wales, what's the, what was then the, the oh, live? Well, the thing is, like? I, I was lucky enough that 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 like I, I joined my first. Band, I like I, I went from rural New South Wales to living in Sydney. I went up to study, you know, mm-hmm. like so many, you know, so many kids do. There's a real brain drain from the country. You basically, you, it's one of those things where, like, rural New South Wales was a lovely place to have a childhood. It's gorgeous. There's lovely yeah. beaches. There's wildlife. There's gum trees and forests, and it's all very idyllic. But at a point about like 15 or 16, you sit there and go, "This place is so boring." Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing, nothing going, going on here. <laughs> uh, there's no one who's like me anywhere around the place. Um, 
So you fuck off to Wollongong, you fuck off to Canberra, you fuck off to Sydney, you know, like like mm. everybody goes, you jump yeah. um, off to study. So I moved up to Sydney um, and about uh, a year into, uh, 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 after about one year of study, I made some mates there and found some fellow travellers when it comes to musical tastes and things like that. And then some mates went, you know, we're getting it. Uh, one of my one of my mates was already in a band and he said, uh, I'd like to start my own thing. Would you like to come over and have a try at vocals? And, and you know, we were already at that stage going to see them play, going to see other local Sydney bands play. There was like a, a burgeoning, uh, th- there was already a thrash metal scene. There was also a burgeoning sort of grindcore scene that was kind of coming out of the, out of the more punk side of things. So I guess the, the, the more, you know, you had some real, you had proper, was proper stench punks, you right. know, crusties, uh, crusties. Yeah. Crusties, yeah. yeah. Um, the stenchies in, in Sydney. I guess it's just because it's warmer. <laughs> I think that sounds more romantic. Yeah, that's fine. Then, I like the, stenchies. <laughs> it's warmer. They build up more of an odor. It's fine. If it's cold, <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, but if you're not going to wash for days on end, you know, in 40 degree heat. <laughs> was it was was it largely then? Was it local and unsigned bands, or was it? Did you get the touring? I mean, we're, we're, Sydney first, must have been I on sort of touring. Oh, was probably the first sort of death doom like extreme metal outfit um that turned up which was in the early 90s and then morbid angel and then you know and and the wonderful thing about australia is that like we're a great holiday destination for bands there's lots of bands that come over that don't really get paid in money they go over to australia and they say hey it's the middle of winter there in northern (laughs) america or or, you know europe or the united kingdom how'd you like to come here? You'll, you'll, you'll play uh, one gig per week going around from city to city. You'll have plenty of time in between. We'll put you up. You can go for a swim. You can have barbecue <laughs> on the beach. Pictures with know. koala bears and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Cuddle a koala and say hello to a kangaroo <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Come over and, and you know, you can skip out of, out of being in friggin' the United Kingdom for a month or. Yeah. yeah. So, so, in the sort of from the the early nineties onwards, we started to get um, bands coming over. But yeah, it definitely was mainly based around. It Did used you to kind of give us the shits a bit because you'd, you'd sit there and go, <laughs> you know, you'd have a local scene where you'd be pulling in, you know, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred punters each gig and all that stuff. Which, yeah. which in, in a in a you know a, a, a normal sort of local venue. That's a good crowd, you know. You got yeah. you got a good pit happening, and everybody jumping on each other and everything like that. But then you'd go and see, you know, Sepultura or Anthrax or Morbid Angel would come and play, and there'd be thousands of motherfuckers <laughs> suddenly appear. It's like, where are you? Where are you at the local gigs? Big yeah. two, you bastards. Um, did you did you have aspirations to be a vocalist early on? Because then you, your man comes and says to you, "Do you want to come and sing in this band?" Have you already kind of go? I quite like the idea of being a vocalist. Were you writing? Yeah, Were you yeah. even trying to sing? Yeah, this this is terrible admission time. Um, <laughs> I got my voice trained in choral. Okay. As a kid, um, and my voice broke like a motherfucker. 
you know. <laughs> Some people, they sort of gently transition into from, from sort yeah. of like, you know, uh, I had a lovely boy soprano. I had four freaking octaves. Thank you very much. Wow. And and, and then, you know, I was do, doing my, my, my sixth grade music exams and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then, oh, I made my poor bloody vocal teacher cry because my voice, <laughs> it didn't just break. It, fucking crashed and burned. It <laughs> broke up and spread wreckage. All, like, I still had the bottom part, bottom octave, and I still had the top octave, but in between right. was this weird teenage yodeling noise that <laughs> um, really didn't settle down until I was, you know, right. like 18 or 19. So, like, you know, I, I, my, my darling mother, bless her cotton socks, she got me into, she used to rope me into doing musical theatre, so I've done Oliver and I've done Bob oh, right. and all of those sorts of things as a kid, you know. Um, so when I discovered uh, doing, you know, the, the, when I started jamming with with Aftermath, who were the, the the death metal band that I first joined in the nineties when I was in yeah, when I was in Sydney, um, like we're doing thrashy stuff, a bit more tuned, sort of fry scream and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. then, you know, I started to do some more guttural stuff and the guys just went, yeah, yeah that, that's the one. That's I think the, the first one. the first time I played a gig, I just went, oh, sod it all out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what happens, yeah. from that point, you know, it's been what I like to do. Hmm. So then um, you're think, playing, well, do you remember first, like the first gigs when you're now doing this in front of a crowd? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, I mean, the, the the first gig we played, we were paid uh, uh, enough to cover a pizza, and um, <laughs> which, which was good. We were happy. It was like probably a Thursday night or something like that at one of the local heavy metal oriented places, and we were on first. Um, but we got enough people through the door, and they paid their five bu- five bucks Australian or whatever it was. So you know, the, the, they split it out amongst the bands, and we had enough to cover a pizza on the way home as it should be as it should yeah, be beautiful yeah, stuff. <laughs> which which is how things always start with any band like even now even now um going and playing you know i'm not if we're playing little local gigs or something like that you, you you're not expecting uh you're just trying to put on a show for who's freaking there and the yep. best freaking show you can put on you know, it's, it matter it's, if it's interesting. Five people, five hundred yeah. people, a thousand people. You're 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 freaking making it. You're yeah. making a connection with that crowd, and you're going yeah. and and pouring your energy on them because mm. it, it, it they've come out. Yeah, dude, maybe yeah. Just, you know. and whether they've come out to see you and you're supporting a big name international act and and there's thousands of freaking people there, or whether it's you know. Twenty people and a dog in yeah. a, in a little local venue. They've come out. They made a freaking effort. So it seems to be that you know the, the, it's almost this, this kind of a cycle with, with musicians sometimes. Where initially, when you're playing to no one, it becomes just about playing as honestly and as as well as you can to those people and and winning them over by just purely mm-hmm. commitment. And then yeah. that kind of sometimes gets lost with bands as they get bigger and more involved in the process. And then I've the never, bands I've are the, never had the privilege to be in that <laughs> position, to then, be honest when with they, you. When they do start playing <laughs> like the, at the very opposite end, you'll get someone like Ozzy who does genuinely worry that people are going to turn up for the shows. And, and there's people who are like, I am going to entertain everybody. And then huge bands, multi-platinum artist bands, but they still hold that. And that seems to be 
the thing that it, it helps to get be successful is to, to understand that. It's, it doesn't matter if it's five people, 5,000 people or 5 million people. It doesn't matter. It's the, it's the you have to, it's an art form and should be treated as such. It's, it's, you're there to, to, to entertain someone and, it's, and show them what your, you know, your point of view is on something, your way of thinking is, you know, tell a story, entertain, make them laugh, make them mosh, whatever it may be. You're, there's a responsibility that's in, in deeply ingrained in a live performance, right? Absolutely. And, and I think that, like, part of it is also, like, part of what keeps you, helps keep anyone grounded is, is playing a style of music that's so freaking obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, wow, Wait, people are into this. Excellent. Well done. Yeah. You. I remember oh, the first time gonna, hearing like, you know, I'm like scream seeing guts like, out in your face. There we go. Yeah, like <laughs> sleep and stuff at live. I mean, what? There's other people that enjoy this like me. What? I thought this was too <laughs> too difficult to to digest that no one would love it. What? Mm. People actually like it and more than I do. They're into it more than I am. And I'm like, this is incredible. And that's oh, yeah. the thing that that's one of the things that metal has, I believe, maybe. with it, There's very little other forms of music, I think, have it, where because it's so extreme and so powerful and generates such a powerful response from its listener, that mm. it has that ability to bring people together as much as it divides them, is that, you know, if you know someone's into a certain band, I've said this a lot, if you know someone's into a certain type of band, you almost know that you'll have political stances that will be similar, you'll have similar outlooks on comedy, similar outlooks on, on how you you are as a person. There will be connecting tissue. It's very much that almost, people think that extreme metal divides. It does sometimes, but more than anything, it connects people with like, you know, I feel just as upset about the government or my, my, my position in, in my life, just as much as you and this music is that is that gateway for us both we can walk through and, and you know deal with things you know it's it's interesting that so when how far are we away from you leaving australia then oh a long time i've been here in the okay. uk since 2004 right um so like um i moved over um basically why does a man travel to the other sides of the world like and especially when people say you moved from australia here yeah <laughs> what's up with that yeah. it's like mm, a woman <laughs> <laughs> sure. that's okay that's a good reason it's the best reason yeah, maybe yeah. yeah oh absolutely i mean she had a, a, a an opportunity here and i was in a um how she put how would i put it i was in a a, a comfortable but boring job Right, you know, one of these ones that I could do with my hands tied behind my back, and it paid quite well, but it was going yeah. nowhere. I was bored, so it was like, yeah, okay, let's go over and 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 take the risk. Now, uh, the, unfortunately, the partnership didn't last. Sure, um, but I'm here with, and you know, I've got four kids here and all of that sort of thing. So it's like, well, I'm here for the long term. I'm here for the long haul. Now. <laughs> but I think also be, because I've I've moved over when I was, you know, like like. Um, in my thirties, um, that's hence the Australian accent is kind of stuck. Yeah, yeah. mellowed somewhat. Like my ex-wife mocks the shit out of me every time I'm <laughs> speaking to like my relatives or friends back in back in Oz because she says you become twice as Australian. <laughs> sure. To get on the phone with them, it's like I'm not really aware <laughs> of it, but but you know, I, I, I yeah. believe absolutely. What, so what what's that like when you come from? The, the culture and, and, and the whole way of life in Australia, then you mm. go to and you land in, where, where did you land in sort of? We ended up in Cambridge, first of all. Okay. She's an so you, so you land there. 
Yeah, uh, well, Cambridge my ex is an academic, so like, right. Yeah. I was going to say it's not it's not a rock and roll town, Cambridge. Like no, I think they won't mind, no. mind saying that. But what is the first thing you do is you kind of do you kind of start to seek out those rock pubs and you seek out the, the, the yeah. vinyl shops? Is that what you do? Absolutely. You, you have a look, and there's a couple of little local venues there where you go. Oh, okay. This is this is where bands happen, and and yeah. if there's someone bigger coming through, they tend to play in this place, and da da da. And then it's like, okay, and for everything else, yeah, we're heading down to London, basically, <laughs> because like really. Cambridge is commuter belt to London. It's yeah. 45 yeah. minutes down to friggin' yeah. you know, Euston Station or whatever it is uh, yeah. on the on the fast train. So, you know, it's it's not that far away. Um so yeah, and I mean when I first came over here, I did hook up with some guys. Uh, we did a, a, a death I, I did the vocals for some guys who did death metal renditions of the like technical, very technical death metal versions of the first three Star Wars soundtracks. <laughs> it was called Anchorhead Darth Metal. Um, Wait a second, they're, they're, they're instrumentals, oh, right? So, no, I, no, I, are you are you doing vocals? There's, there's 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 versions out there with my growling going along underneath, <laughs> with lots of lines from the movies, like you know, don't. So surprise your greatness. <laughs> you no <laughs> like you know, the, the whole bit. And and yeah. we played a couple of gigs and I'd dress up as Princess Leia and have the stupid oh, wig on my head and the guys would be dressed up in Jedi and, and Boba Fett <laughs> and all of that sort of stuff. And it was fun, but yeah. The, the thing is, okay, for me personally. When it goes into that technical side of things, now Charlie Griffiths, the guitarist from from that outfit, he plays guitar for Harkin. He's a real tech prog kind of guy. He's an amazingly yeah. talented guitarist. Um, I mean, we had custom made eight strings back then because you couldn't buy an eight string. Off the rack. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, and he was working at the Guitar Institute, you know, like as a lecturer, and so you know he was able to get luthiers to make these guitars for us. So yeah, we could yeah. and go, and yeah. all that stuff. But when you get to that level of technical stuff, okay, um, when you're very, very, very prog and very, very technical, what's the reaction you get from the crowd usually? Mm. Hold the yeah. arms. Yes, yeah. thoughtfully, thoughtfully, Nod thoughtfully along with the polyrhythms, yes, you know, yeah, um, yeah. Which, which, you know, uh, again, not going to yuck somebody else's yum. Fine. That's what mm. you like. Great. But I like people to go, arg, you yeah. know, which is, which is, yeah. which is why, you know, something like a megathrone where it's more, it's more extreme and old school and just a bit more pounding. Yes, uh, and yeah. Unrelenting. The, the, Did you do, so? W w when you're doing that, side of this, we shall we shall hereby call the Star Wars project. What? Yeah. what how long? How long are we from Omega Throne? Then are we quite a ways well, this away? Still, two thousand and two, probably between two thousand and five and two thousand and seven. Okay, and you also you're going into London to see shows there, and that's a pretty good time. I'm just trying to think what came out around that time. That's well, still some pretty good good acts releasing some pretty good arms around that time. Absolutely. I mean, my, my favourite one that I went and saw was actually System of a Down. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Who played at the Brixton Academy, and they did a lovely job. I love those uh, the, the intertwined two-part harmonies between the, the guitarist and, the, and Serge 
Tankarian yeah. or whatever his name is, um, the Armenian. Well, I, I was about to say the Armenian guy. Well, that really, you know, differentiates <laughs> him from the other Armenian guys in the band. But but um, you know, I thought they were they were lovely, lovely outfit. They, they were so good when I saw them. I saw them fairly early on, um, before, a little bit before they broke, and and remember at first laughing. I don't mind saying I, I I stood there laughing. It was not that it was ridiculous or even funny in any way. It was that it was just so amazing that I was seeing stuff that I'd heard, like we said, the corners of other music all being put together, you know, polka riffs and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the, what, what are we doing over here? Basically, you know, when, yeah, yeah, almost Middle Eastern folk sound. Yeah, this beautiful, yeah, it. like yeah. you said, Arme- Armenian influence in there. And it was like, I'd never, I was just laughing because I was like, this is incredible. Because it's so rare you find something that completely sounds different from what you've heard before. There's always some kind of connected tissue. They just sounded yeah. as though okay, they came from Venus, you know, that they, yeah. they just kind of landed and this was yeah, the they, they sort of went, <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. Hello. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah and I, I love that because that happens every so often. We're, we often talk about in metal that, you know, it's all been done before and there's no surprises. But like we just talked about there, there was a time, ladies and gentlemen, there was a time that the you did the seven and eight string guitars were not popular at all. When at you all buy, you couldn't buy them. You couldn't buy them. Like no one was making essentially, them. essentially it took someone like Steve Vai who came along and put seven. So they existed before, but mainly for jazz musicians. Yeah. Steve Vai comes along with a seven string guitar and people are like, wow, this is incredible. Um, mm. but this the, the 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 emphasis was the high strings with with that with the with the, the eighth uh, seven strings, not the low mm. strings. Yeah. And what happened is obviously only the technical guys listen to this music and, and the guitar fans listen to this music. And it took a bit of a gap before the guys in like corn would go, mm. okay, well we'll buy up these guitars that were very, very cheap to buy, seven string guitars, very cheap to buy, and mm. but put the low string on and kind of read the low string and did stuff with that. And then, like you said, we had eight string guys who were like, okay, what if we had another string? And the problems that came with that, ladies and gentlemen, were were massive tuning, staying in tune, you know, what tuners do you use, what strings do you use, how how does the truss rod hold up? There was a multitude of problems. Yeah. Now I could go to my local guitar shop and pick an eight-string guitar off the wall, no problems at all, and pay a reasonably easy price. This this didn't exist. And so what no. happened is there no. was a wonderful wave of all this new music that people hadn't heard of before which gave us gents and stuff like that and, yeah. oh, and it was a wonderful when, wave wasn't it when we first start when back in back way back in the 90s <laughs> when we first started like like playing and we were we were a death metal band tuned to b you know right. we, were, we were b standard tuning like for for deep throaty chunkiness yeah. um but just trying to get your hands on a 60 gauge it was basically yeah. you're buying a friggin' bass string and chopping yeah. it to the right length to get it to get our guitars just so it would have enough tension so it wasn't yeah. this flabby friggin' so that yeah. you could yeah. actually chunk away on those bottom strings. Um, so you know nowadays going and buying a, 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 a seven string set of hello, Mr. Yeah. Ernie Ball, thank you very much. Yeah. You've got this. For a Not seven a and an eight or whatever, yeah. you know, it's all yeah. there rather than having to scrabble on the ground and, and you know, our bass player laughing at the guitar player going, ha ha, see, this is what I have to, you paid yeah. 10, 10 bucks for a set of strings. But it was interesting that, that, that I bucks a freaking string. That whole movement changed quite a lot of things. When it when the ripples went out, you had hmm. bands that didn't, that did, did away with bass players. Then you had bass players increasing what they were doing. And then yeah. you had, whole different styles of music becoming 
but based on the instruments that kind of led there. Yeah, and, I, I and, think... and that is one of the I... interesting things about music that, that happens, isn't it? It's not that sometimes it's a cultural or a political shift that gives birth to new music and, and, and stylistically, mm -hmm. but it can also be like a pedal or a, you know, like it's on an instrument. Absolutely. Look at the look at the difference that having decent noise gating made. Yeah. Suddenly an album like Helmet um, playing Meantime or um, yeah. Pantera's uh, like chunky albums like Vulgar Display of Power and things like that. You know, before you got decent news, noise gating, it would be da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. You'd have that yeah. feedback coming through. But like, you know, there's always a constant feedback cycle between um, what musicians can play and what musicians are doing and the technology that's available to them at mm. the time. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I'm always very interested in the counterplay between those things. It's like, okay, we've got extended fret, fan fret guitars now, so we can hold a, a ridiculously low tuning and have it with tension on it so that you can play it, not flabby or something like that. What's the music that comes out there? And, and you, you know, Mr. Tomasi comes out and starts doing all these amazing tapping things yeah. and all of yeah, that, yeah. you know, animals and, as leaders and the, and gent and that, all of that sort of stuff comes out. Um, you know, and that, that, that's because you've got the technology to produce a super saturated, very distorted guitar sound. But when you mute it, it stays muted. And, when you're playing those low notes, they're still holding intention. You can still, you know, mm. so there's, there's, there's all that feedback between people pushing what you can do with an instrument and then what's coming back. I, thought, oh, oh, I always love the, 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 the example of the HM2, <laughs> the, the, the boss heavy metal pedal, <laughs> you know, when, when you get that Swedish chainsaw you know, yeah. the, the, the Husqvarna sound of like, let's yeah. crank everything to friggin' maximum and run yeah. it through a, 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 a Marshall tranny amp or something like that. And yeah, that, that awesome, lovely friggin' early dismember, early uh, entombed and stuff yes. like that. Yeah, that, that yeah, yeah. That's so chunky. You could carve it with an electric knife sort of guitar. Yeah. Sound. Yeah. And I love it. Like, like you say, that when technology meets meets music as well, some very interesting things can happen. And then, the, like the the whole thing of like equipment as well can change the course of stuff that we didn't think. Think like you know, think like Tom Morello, and think what he does when he mixes. And he's essentially, like, by his own admission, a DJ that's doing stuff on the guitar. Mm -hmm. And it just opens every so often. These little doors get opened. And what I find metal loves to do is completely fuck with it. Then it's like, okay, we can do this. I'm going to do it to make stuff sound even filthier, even more dissonant, even more aggressive, even more abrasive. And I well, love that metal does that. Uh, absolutely. And this is why I love um, bedroom weirdos who will sit there and just obsessively play with their toys until they go, ooh, this yeah. noise is coming out. What yeah. one of the funniest examples of that I've uh, like I used to be right into a hardcore techno scene when I lived in in Australia from from Newcastle, which is about two hours drive, a bit 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 more from from mm. Sydney up on the north coast. And you know, if I say a depressed ex-industrial steel city, um, <laughs> you know, it'll sound very familiar to people who know sure. Newcastle here in the United. <laughs> um, true, true. But what happened with, there was all the schools 
switched from Amigas to um, to Windows-based computers. Right. So they sold off all these Amiga 500s really cheaply. Okay. And they're crappy computers, but they were the first ones that you could actually have ProTracker and, and all these sequencing programs and sampling programs would actually run on. Um, yeah. So this whole bedroom scene arrived, grew up in Australia uh, of like just the most obnoxious Gabba house, hardcore tech. <laughs> like, these guys are in a, a, a depressed shithole city up in the, up in the North of New South Wales, you know, all the jobs have been sold off because all the steelworks have moved out and all of that sort of stuff. And the places in an economic frigging, uh, you know, garbage, like uh, dumpster fire, I think is the appropriate term. (laughs) These guys all just got these crappy little computers and just made the angriest, obnoxious Gabba house that you've Mm. ever heard. And like, if you hear something from the nineties, you're like, like, I, I hear compilations from, from the 90s of, of Amsterdam stuff and Rotterdam stuff and Belgian yeah. stuff and some American stuff, and then there'll be this Australian stuff that sticks out like dog polished dog's bollocks because it's <laughs> rough as guts, 8-bit <laughs> mono, cranking along it. The, the, they were the most... This is the only time where I've seen techno producers actually work really hard because they didn't have enough room on the hard drive of these shitty computers to hold an entire track's worth of samples. So you'd watch these guys with all these color-coded, like, <laughs> three-quarter floppy discs, yeah. you know, um, going, shit, shit, delete that crap off and then stick in the next one and load it <laughs> in and drop it in the right. And, and none of these nice, like, doors that you get nowadays, it's like a fucking event list scrolling <laughs> down of just text. They're like, drop it in here. Right, okay. Fuck off. And, and, and uh, you know, samples from Full Metal Jacket. If anybody, like, wants to hear techno at its ugliest, check out Bloody <laughs> Fist. They were a record label from Newcastle in the 90s to 2000s, and they produced some marvellously ugly punk tech because it's because it's it's unfiltered it's the technology that's there it's what they've got and they're they're obsessively in their in their shitty bedrooms going oh i have no fucking social life because this place sucks (laughs) right i'm gonna i'm gonna make something fucking ugly yeah yeah it's it's funny isn't it that with some of the these greatest sort of people that come along and do these things and change the course and the stream of, of metal, they they literally are trying to make the most aggressive and obnoxious version of, of things. Mm-hmm. And and you know, and that's the that's the way they're coming from. But somewhere online, someone's gone, I really like to listen to this as well. And it's like, oh yeah. shit, it's just putting gasoline on 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 it's like you, know, you think about like nine inch nails and where and where mm-hmm. Trent begins yeah. you know, sampling and doing all that type of thing. And he's just trying to make the most you know, interesting and involved music, you know, and then it, it ends up being like hyper aggressive and hyper discordance and stuff like that. And then sure enough, there's an entire decades of career from it because people yeah, loved it because it answers that question about people wanting to, what they, that I'm pissed off. I'm unhappy about my job, my life, whatever, whatever. This is a, is the soundtrack to that. And I cannot get this anywhere else. It, it, this only exists in the metal and extreme music world. It only exists there, you know? Yeah. I, I have to say, seeing Mr. Reznor, um, I've never seen any, any outfit destroy more Yamaha DX7 keyboards. <laughs> 
on stage than they did. They were, there was broken bits of plastic. <laughs> Yeah, you have to look at the uh, the, the, the famed Woodstock performance where they, oh. they go cover themselves in mud and then and everybody's covered in mud and the, oh. the, the, the guitars are covered in mud and you're like, yes. how is this still sound like the, instruments? That they they played it at a at a an event in in Australia like a, a one day. We don't tend to do um, multi day music festivals. They yeah, tend like big day one day out, events, yeah, the, big day yeah. out, and and. And this was this was called I think it was Alternative Nation or something like that. Okay. And 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 had a great lineup. But yeah, it was one of those days where, like in Australia, if it's going to rain, it usually just pisses down. <laughs> one day. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, brilliant sunshine, brilliant sunshine. Ocean turned on its side. <laughs> now the sunshine comes out and the humidity hits ninety nine percent. But anyway, uh, like, yeah, it, it was muddy and filthy. Everybody was, like, brown from the waist sort of down. But the, the worst thing is sometimes you see um, when somebody's booked acts and you just go, why did you do that? Like, because <laughs> between Faith No More and Nine Inch Nails was um, Lou Reed playing okay. an acoustic set. The poor okay. guy pelted with mud <laughs> slightly misjudged yeah oh yeah, yeah. i mean I, I, i've seen the same sort of thing where like um with with beck playing at like like an acoustic hymn yeah. with guitar straight after rancid played at a festival and and, it's and weird, it just, yeah and it was just like the poor guy got coins thrown at him someone in the crowd shouted out he's a fucking busker check him a Chuck him a buck, you know. And like, and but that's it. I mean, that that amount of work, if you were really getting story the of the of the kind of like you know the dancing back and all that type of thing, mm. and you know sampling and and, and you know and all that type. That amount of work, but you're getting that back, and that's the problem. Is when you book these asks, are you getting Lou Reed electric guitar, Lou Reed, or yeah, are you yeah, getting absolutely? You know, you know, Lou Reed then would have if 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 he was you know. Um, playing more velvety undergroundy type stuff and, and yeah. have a full band with him, that would have been great. Different. It's like if you, if, you book, a... if you book Iggy Pop now, you, you, you think you know what you're going to get, but there's no talent that, that suddenly Iggy goes, well, actually, I'm going to do this stripped-down Karuna thing where we're not going to do that and I'm going to sing. And, and, and it's just that's going to catch a, a ton of a flack, you know. So you, you try and book these. I see it in Europe a lot where I see these madly different bands playing on the same bill in yeah. seemingly no order. And, yeah. and and sometimes it works. Sometimes it acts as a nice like break. If you've got like, you know, a, 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 you know the, the Chromags or someone playing and then it wants to cool it down and then you've got Rage Against the Machine. Okay, you might want to yeah. move some stuff around. And sometimes yeah. it works. Sometimes the book can be good. But other times, like you say, it's just you're just putting someone in a difficult position the, there. You're setting someone up for the fall. <laughs> so when Ooh. so when you're you're in the UK now, how far are we away from the, the inception of Omega Throne then when you when you kind of move over? How far? Uh, okay. Um I move we, we, we like family moves from from Cambridge up to Manchester okay mm. um and uh and I was Mr Mum sure okay I, I I'm I'm slightly old in the, like I was basically the primary caregiver when the kids mm. were young and and my ex because you know uh 
she we we moved over here for her position and and her career was going well and all of that sort of stuff and she earned more money than i possibly could um so you know there's a hiatus i i, I did you know um i did sort of half-heartedly uh, start jamming with another bunch of guys um uh, actually with um Nick, who I think plays with Asylum City Zoo or one of the oh, other... Oh, that's okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. One of the other sort of Manchester-y acts. He plays mm. with a thrash band in, in, and, and um, you know, the, 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 at, the, at the moment. But, you know, and it was, it was sort of like odd and proggy and all that sort of stuff, but it wasn't my first love because, like, yeah. as you were saying before, there, there's an energy to extreme metal that, like, I mean, I'm in a wonderful position. So I basically had a big hiatus, looked after kids, went back into full-time work, got separated from my partner, yada, yada, yada. And then um, just basically in the middle of lockdown was going, oh, God, I'm bored. Um, <laughs> and answered an ad that was online to say, you know, okay. because I saw that the, the Omega Throne were advertising and, and looking for a vocalist. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Omega Throne started about 2017. Right. right, and they had a particular. They, they had a lineup. They um, basically played gigs and they wrote an album, and then they had because you know being in a band is like herding cats to yes. an extent. You've got lots of personalities and and lots of people whose lives are in different places and all of that sort of stuff. So um, that particular lineup sort of fell apart going into the first, like, like probably a couple of years later, about two thousand nineteen. But they'd written an album and 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 released it online. Um, and then in 2000 and, uh, the, in 2021, they were like, okay, we're getting out of the lockdown. People are mm-hmm. starting to, it's, things are opening up again. Let's yeah. see if we get, cause so, so that was, that was with, uh, Mark and Pete and Peter, um, the, 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 the guitarist and the drummer uh, were, were the kind of core of it that remained that they're the, they're the songwriting duo when it comes to riffs and beats and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so uh, they started to look around for um, for, for members, and, and Charlotte jumped on board, sort of mm-hmm. like uh, early 2021, and then I joined up a little bit later. Um, so, you know, first gig was October last year. After we did, did they kind of talk about what 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 they wanted, like when you kind of tried out for them? Did did they have a framework? Did they say we want you to sound like the previous? stuff we wanted to go more in a particular direction well they'd, they'd listen to because i you know I'd, I'd done some stuff with the sydney band and i had some stuff with the 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 the, the um the the um dark metal guys and i'd done yeah. some stuff in cambridge that was more uh it had clean vocals and and as well as some of the more gruff stuff mm. um so I, I had a little bit of stuff that I could show them and say, you know, this is what I can do. Are yeah. you interested? And, you know, they were interviewing a few people at the time. So, like, we jammed together a few times and, you know, I said where I would like to take things and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they went, right, well, you know, we really like that. Where, where, what was the what was the things that you wanted? Which which way did you want to take it? You know, you've you've listened to very various types of music. You've been in various types of projects. This is mm-hmm. one where you are starting again, uh, afresh. And did what what did you want to do? Uh, you know, what, what imprint did you want to have within the music? Um, well, for me, uh, vocals are very much an underutilized part of the whole extreme metal genre. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't particularly like pig squeal. I don't like monotone. I don't like stuff where it's really like indecipherable, you know, where it's just somebody yeah. going, and yeah. you can't hear that the, there's words. I don't care what the words are. I just like, because those words provide uh, a counter rhythm to the whole rest of the band and a, and a, and a structure that sits on top of it. And yeah. um, with a Megathrone, like, like, because, you know, I'm no spring chicken, as you can tell by my musical influences <laughs> and things like that. Um, I like the old school death mm. vocals and, and, and it is to an extent my comfort zone. Mm. Um, and I thought I could provide a nice counterpoint to what they were doing. They were happy with what I did, yeah. and then that's it's it's interesting talk. that you talk about old old death metal because now when you go on various streaming devices and mediums mm-hmm. and what have you, mm-hmm. the, what what people think death metal is isn't what we're necessarily where it started from, and then it's no. splintered. You know, uh, it's splintered sort of 10, 15 or so years ago. Started continues to be fractious. The, yeah. It's splintered into different things. We got the cause, the core came in and, and ch- yeah. changed that. We got we got the, 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 the so I agree. I I think that I preferred the, it's so cliche to say I preferred an earlier part of it, but I thought that that was more that that was my death metal, if you will, mm-hmm. that, that, that I grew up with. And that's mm-hmm. what I really liked about ladies and gentlemen. I've seen uh, Omega Throne a few times now. I thought that 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 you've uh, and I say begin because I do I do feel there's a lot more to come for you guys. I think that you really did encapsulate that. I think if that's what you were aiming for, I think well, that the, the 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 way you got out of that and, and, and able to do that original stuff is to call this blackened metal, which I think is probably closer to death metal than than what people think is death metal. If you know what I mean, that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think that that there's a power to an extreme metal band live when they play cranked out two hundred beats per minute plus friggin you know and tight and just really thumping along i mean as a vocalist i'm a very lucky man in that i've got an incredibly talented bunch of guys uh, say guys charlotte included sorry <laughs> um you know uh, like like as a core of a band mark and write a beautiful riff peter is just a friggin machine on the drums and like really, um, Charlotte has really come into her own over the past year. Where you know, like, like say about a year ago, she would have just been following the guitar riffs. Now yeah. there's counter rhythms and counter harmonies and 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 changes in tone that that are, that are trying to you know because we're just a four piece, so like trying to fill out when the guitar's up in its upper register to try to fill out that mm. bottom and mids and all of that sort of thing. She's like really, and and it's an amazing. Uh, it's an amazingly secure feeling as a vocalist to know that those guys are, are, yeah. are going to be on the freaking money. And, yeah. and I mean, this might sound very self-indulgent, but as a vocalist, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when yeah. you've got like that roaring, grinding noise being thrown out from, you know, not just around you, but in front of you through the PA and into the crowd. It's, it, it's, it's got a colossal amount of energy. And, you know, for me, the only logical response then is to just scream my guts out and to be like focusing that out into the crowd and like really giving it like some welly because like, 
you know, that's the, that's not the sort of stuff you can gaze at your shoes about or like no. sit there with your arms folded and go, oh, isn't that clever? No, it's gonna it's grabbing you by the friggin' scruff of the neck and going, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I got that like certainly when I last saw you, I definitely got that whole of you. Know, I think you're hundred percent right. Where you grabbing hold of the audience and going, listen to this, listen to mm. this, listen to this, and it's it's a real skill to be able to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, there's an important lesson here as well that when you do join bands and you make your your bands and you get together as a group of musicians. It is the start of a journey. It isn't, a, you should not be the finished article. That's not how this works. You're not meant to be, well, we're going to play this. This is what we're going to play for the rest of eternity. This is what we're going to sound like. These are our influences listed in alphabetical order, all prepared. It shouldn't be that way. You know, Charlotte's a perfect example of that it, I've seen every show I've seen, she's improved. Now, and that's not she's usually bad in the first place. She's not. She's learning now to play as a group of musicians, as an ensemble. And that's yeah. how a band should be seen. And, and that, that, when that happens, and that becomes comfortable, and, and maybe comfortable is the wrong word, but uh, you, you're all familiar with each other. You mm. can do those things vocally that you couldn't do if you were unsure about where your next steps are. You can really power yes. into something, and really really throw yourself into a movement, and that's what I, certainly the couple of times that I've seen you, that's why I got it. It was like very focused, very much this is, you know, this is, listen to this, grab you, and, and take you, rather than, um, you, you Ladies and gentlemen, when you go to see Omega Throne, as I, I strongly require you do so, you're not going to be on the fence with this. You will you will enjoy it or you will not enjoy it. And I would suggest that you will <laughs> enjoy this. It, it, it is divisive in all the right ways, but it is also is you 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 can't go to the bar and listen to it in the background. That's not that that's not this band. That's not what was the intentions. That's not what's going to come across. Do you so you how many shows have you done now with Omega Throne? Now we're into quite this, large figures. Uh, probably a, a, about only about like six. Wow. Okay. You know, um, great. Yeah. Um, well, like again, I've got really talented people who have really got their chops. Yeah. So like, you know, when you're working on new material, it's like you're working one week, you know, you have a bit of a jam, you start sorting it out the next week. People do their homework, lovely stuff. So yeah. you know, when you come in the yeah. next week. It, it, it's not, it's not, crystal it's not crystalline it's not perfect yet yeah but it's there you can start working over the top of it and within a month you've got something that's slotted into the set that is just thank yeah. you very much so you know, what uh, what are the first things that you're recorded on with omega throne is it is it the uh the new the new ep that, that i have is that the first yeah, thing that that, you're that's recorded the first on? one with me so so all the, a lot of the stuff that if somebody searches us online or Bandcamp or something like that um <laughs> they will hear like the majority will basically be the old lineup. They did a full eight, nine track yeah. LP length recording. Yeah. Um, now the guitar work and the, the drum work is, is pretty much as is, you know, mm. Mark's got a lovely, lovely fat guitar sound. He's that great continued player, on, yeah. And, 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 and Pete just still, can bash along at a mile a minute and and, <laughs> and uh, one of the things that really really hooked me in actually with 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 uh, a megathrone was like listening to it and going that's not a triggered guitar that's not a triggered drum yeah. sound yeah 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 it's one of my personal bugbears it's one of my personal eeks yeah. is heavily triggered drum sounds i mean it, for me it's one of the things that makes like I, I really do love the 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 
uh, uh, cattle decapitation, the riffs and the grindingness and all that sort of stuff. But the one thing that means that I can't just put them on and listen to them is that the guitar sound, the, sorry, the, uh, the drum sound is heavily triggered. And mm. if every beat sounds the same and is, and, I mean, it means that you can play incredibly intricate stuff like no yeah. purpose. Absolutely, because you're just having to tap those drums to, to fire that trigger. But mm. it takes the feel out of it. Yeah, it, yeah. Know, there's, there's, there's no... It's something that, that, that comes up along the, on the show where we talk about, I prefer my live act to sound like at any minute it could fall apart because it's been either pushed too far or, or stretched too thin. It's been, it's been, you're absolutely looking at the edges of everything. Everything's played mm. with an inch of its life. I like that push and pull of it. I like to hear it on a record. And yeah, sometimes it can take it away. It's interesting, like, you know, you take someone like Fear Factory that use an awful lot of type things. It's very tight. And what Dino does is incredibly on the, on the nose. And that works for them. But it's interesting. I've seen them live and it, and it becomes a different beast as well. Yes, it's, it sounds like that, but it becomes a different beast. For me, it's, it, it's when it becomes, when the means to an end become the end, if you know what I mean. So it's like, it shouldn't be that, um, the, those things decide the root and the feel of the music. It should be, I want the root and the feel of the music to sound this way, so I will use yeah. this. The captation is a great example. It works for them, but I agree with you that it leaves me slightly colder than something with a bit more, almost a punk to it, almost a kind of a, a, a we're going to play within, against and, and with the beat and ahead and too fast and too slow together as, as we feel this out. I, I enjoy that from a live performance because you can't get that anywhere else. Yeah, well, look, this is one that the true cult people will hate me for. Um, <laughs> is 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 the very first Dark Throne album? Okay, Soulside Soul Journey, and you hear the drums on that, and and because like when he's playing really fast, he can't really hit the snare as hard as he'd possibly like. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. feel of it, of that is beautiful because it, it makes all those fast bits almost have like a creeping up on you feel because it's like, mm. you know, like, yeah, it's little, little yeah, 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 and, yeah. and little, and, and, and I think that's, that's much, that brings more color to music. If there is that, that, that feel in the vocals, not just, guttural growling all the time on a monotone get mm. some counter rhythms in there get some variations in there and all of that sort of stuff um and be articulate because that gives you your counter rhythms when you're saying the word look as listen to hip-hop jesus half the beat yeah. is just in what the person is saying um yeah yeah so uh, uh the the um that that's what floats my boat is is when it's what, got yeah, one of more of a, a, the, of a feel to it if that makes any sense. Listening to um, listening to the the, the EP, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. And certainly seeing you live, what what Jeff's talking about there, ladies and gentlemen, is um, pr is prose. What what writers call prose and kind of and delivery and execution and stuff. And the more you can pull various elements out, the more intricate and, and interesting you can get. Um, and that can only happen when, and certainly I think Omega Throne are, are very much an example, is where it's clear that every member in that band is willing to go down whatever route. You know, it still feels really open. And I think, ladies and gentlemen, what you'll find when you listen to them now and see, see them live is that you're going to see a band start, like I said, start this journey. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes because I don't think it's going to end up where it starts, certainly musically. I think there's, there's going to be some 
interesting avenues were going to go down. Um, with this, the, so the, the, the EBI have the, uh, there's, there's, there's no hatred as great as dictators love, mm-hmm. which immediately knocked me to the side because it's like, okay, I'm going to have to listen and, and really get involved with this because it's more of a The thing that I love about that is that was titled like, you know, months ago before yeah. the entire Ukrainian situation occurred. And oh, it is yeah, just yeah. so timely. Like, like when, when all yeah. that happened, it was just like, oh, here we go. Thank you, Vlad, for making our point for us. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I guess that you could re- you you could release that every ten years, and also when it be valid to some point. And I mean, as is all great art, you know. Yeah. Well, given the cyclical nature of history, yeah, you're probably not <laughs> yeah. wrong. Is is that kind, is that EP part of? A bigger thing. Uh, I don't know if it's turning me conceptually, but you've got a uh, you know it's prelude yes. to an empire. So is where so where is that then? Talk to me about that. Okay, so we've got um eight or nine tracks where um Pete and Mark have have, have got the, the the basics of the songs down. Um, Charlotte's right. um gone through the bass as well. That's that is probably still slightly developing um and I, i've got lots of vocals to write <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but but we've got vocals for a couple of tracks um so we've got basically a, 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 an album's worth of uh, of stuff written okay. um so you know that that um you could probably see the the current ep as a as a statement of intent Right, like a ma- almost like a manifesto, uh, yeah, kind of almost like a yeah. We're setting our mark out, saying this is our starting point. Mm, now. Yes, like that. There, there was the previous lineup, and 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 that there's some great songs on there. I, I recommend anybody who wants to go and give it a listen. Like it hooked me in as yeah. the vocalist to, to want to go. Yes, you know, I'm. Yes. I, I, I want to join this band because like the 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 the. The, there's a, a quality to this songwriting that I've just really instantly enjoyed. I just went, this, mm. this is this is proper. I like this. Um, yeah. So you know, I'm I'm not trying to write off that at all. But no. I think with this this the the, the current lineup, we've we've set that out the the EP out as a, a sort of a, 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 a line in the sand to say this is where we're starting from mm. with this current the way we want to go and now we've got like an album's worth of stuff to to flesh that out more <laughs> are we looking at i mean are we this year are we next year for that probably looking at starting to record at the end of this year mm-hmm. um you know one of the wonderful things about the way technology has come along over the past 10 20 years is you can do a lot of the production at, a, at an extremely high standard at home and then you're taking it through to a a good producer or someone like that to do final mix down and mastering rather than having to pay an exorbitant amount of money. It it means that you can be a bit more relaxed over, you know, recordings I've done in the past where, where you're paying for your time straight off. It's like better Practice like a bastard, so you've got everything yeah. absolutely nailed before you start spending money. So that you, you can explore it a little bit more. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. So so that that's going to we, we've got some gigs booked out for the rest of the year, and um, 
you know, we're, we're the, the, probably the guitars and the drums are already pretty much down. Um, the bass, a lot of it's already there. Um, we'll start doing vocals. We'll start putting some sound effects and, and various other little bridging bits and, and acoustic bits and things like that to give it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a bit more of a, of, of a whole album structure. Um, yeah. Not that anybody listens to anything like that these days. <laughs> I think I, I think you may I think you may be surprised. I I, I, I listening to the, to, to the EP now. I want something, dare I say, a grand dose. I want something more involved. I want I want that, and then I want you know to kind of twist every knife that you've put in people's backs with it. I want to I want to see which way things go. I think that you'll be surprised. Like you know, um, like Nick Carsack's last last album. Mm. Uh, it, I was talking to a lot of people who listen to that in its entirety, a, a lot front to back in its entirety. I think very much now that it's been said that listeners, uh, you know, uh, last only a few sorts of seconds into a song. I think that's, I think that's removed now. I think if people really enjoy it, they're willing to commit to, to a lot longer. And I think, it, you know, I, so. I am expecting. I hope I'm not yeah. a dinosaur. Um. <laughs> we both hope we're not dinosaurs. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, Dinosaurs are still cool, and they've been extinct for years, so it's all good. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I, we, we could we could talk for. We should do just a Mike Patton special, maybe. Me and Jeff. It's all good. Um, oh yes, I'd be into that. <laughs> we could. We could tell. But listen, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll bring this to a close now because we'll definitely, ladies and gentlemen, we'll definitely have to have Jeff on again. Fantastic um, to speak <laughs> to, my friend. Um, yeah, I'm really love. looking forward to the new album. I, my expectations are suitably high, my friend, um, and I'm really oh. looking forward to seeing it in live context as well. Well, yeah, we, we, I mean, already, like, uh, we're, we're playing the um, the uh, Metal to the Masses. To the Masses, know, the yeah. The gigs that go on to Bloodstock. We're, yeah. we're, we've got the final coming up at the end of, um, at, the, at the sorry, the beginning of July. I think it's the second. Yes. It's the first Friday in July um, because mm. we're in the North Wales one. We're too late to get into the, the Liverpool one. You know, yes, the, yeah. There was, you know, you know, so we end up, and actually, to be honest with you, the the, the North Wales ones, the, the venues are nice and close. Yeah. For me, I'm, I'm in Northwich, so it's actually probably sure. closer and easier for me <laughs> um, uh, for, for the North Wales ones. So we've got the final of that coming up, and we want to actually, we're going to be bringing in, hopefully, one of the um, tracks from the new album on that. And, and we want to bleed some of them into the set. You know, mm, file um, them out, see how they work. You know, yeah, 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 absolutely. To 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 work them and tweak them, and you know, I, I think that, that that's an ongoing process because, like, mm. if you're not constantly trying to tweak it a little bit or whatever, um, then you're not listening to yourself. Yeah, you know, you're just completely. thinking about what you're doing. You're not listening to the whole band and what you're playing and all that sort of stuff. And I think that yeah. if you're going to develop as a band, you've got to be listening. Not just for what yeah. you're doing, but um, for 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 what the band's doing. So there, there, there isn't there isn't a, a a band that's been around for a long long time that plays the 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 song that, that made them famous or the songs that made them famous the same way. They've they've tweaked them. It might be a line here, it might be a note here. They'll have tweaked them to get as much juice out of it as they possibly could to play them. Keith Richards often talks about like you get up playing Satisfaction every night, and and he's still trying to get it right. You know, that's how he sees it. He's still <laughs> yeah. trying to play it perfectly because in his head it was different. You know, and that, that's a that's a positive way to see the, the songs that you play. They should have evolved it. You know, you go to see uh, a, a, like Napalm Death now, 
and they play songs, they will have it, it, it changes. How many corruption it, will sound different now than it did back in? Of, of course it will. Of course, yeah, it will. And that's ago. what you want. You want yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, it's been really nice to sit and, and, and chat with Jeff uh, Jeff Moffat from Omega Sound. Sir, thank you no, very much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's been lovely to have a chat. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to me, putting up with my ramblings. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> right back at you, sir. Jeff Moffat there from Omega Throne. I think what a what a hugely enjoyable conversation with a, a hugely enjoyable uh, and and he's super like I didn't know what to expect going into that conversation because he's super as he should be super serious and super kind of focused on on stage. But it turns out he's just this lovely human being with a really interesting story. Have you got a lot from that about you know the where you start from, where you end up, aren't necessarily the the way it works out, and there's some things that change along the way and, and circumstances change, but also. That you know you can love the, the the things that you you want in extreme music and there's a wealth of it out there and it should be explored and the strange and the uh, the outside and the the edges of the envelope should be should be applauded and should be welcomed and should be embraced because that's where some of the coolest things in certainly music and metal come from. Once again, I want to tease a little thing that's coming up soon. I, I will have more details soon when I'll be able to announce what this is. It's something very special, something that uh, I've talked about and hinted at all the way through these these podcasts, but I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. Uh, I can't wait to see Omega Throne again at another show now. Just, they just keep getting better and better. I'm really uh, looking forward to the, the new material they're releasing and getting an insight into the, into them as a band has been has been fascinating, certainly Jeff's perspective on how he views uh, being a vocalist. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope if you're listening to as bad, I know that I get a lot of messages now. Like the bands just like steam through these when they, they listen to them on Log Journey. He's got a friend who's out on tour at the moment. He's, he's just endlessly listening to these shows on a bus somewhere, which I just fucking, I love. I can't tell you how much I love that. And it's nice. It's nice to hear that uh, the, the people laugh. You know, like if it makes someone smile and it makes them laugh at these things or they go, or they nod and go, oh yeah, that I agree with that. Then that's cool. And even if it, the people listen to it and go, oh no, I don't agree with that. It really pisses me off. Fuck, come on the show and we'll we'll talk about it. But it's nice that it's engaging. I'm getting a lot of uh, invites to shows now that I didn't even know were happening, which is brilliant. I'm getting lots of stuff sent to me by by new bands. New bands, when they say there's no scene out there and there's no music, is talking complete. And it's and it's fantastic. And I'm getting sent a lot of that, which is which is brilliant. You know, I, I I encourage that. Like I said, I don't review music. A lot of people send me stuff to review. I don't do that mainly because there's lots of people out there that do review and do a far better job than I do. And plus, there's an, it opens the door to being negative, saying I don't like something and I don't really want to talk about negative things. I only want to talk about the things that I love. Because there's plenty of room for that as well, but the people are doing that and that's cool. They can go and do that shit. I'm, I'm here to talk about the things that I like. I really like Omega Throne. I hope you really like Omega Throne. Uh, Jeff uh, talking about the band there. Check all the stuff out. As I always, I will put links on on, on this and links on the, uh, the all the show notes and what have you so you can go and listen to, to this fabulous band. And what a pleasure it was having having Jeff on the show. Definitely again, definitely again. I mean, there's loads of people who are going to urge you to come around on Cycle now who are going to come on the show again and again because they're just hugely... Uh, you, great people to talk to and sound with, with great stories, real inspirational stories. And I hope you get that from it as well. I hope you think, fuck, I want to get into a band or I want to try that project and I want to start that band or whatever it may be. Cause it's, it's all there. It's all open for us to do when we can, uh, we can do that. And you know, it's nice to see people out there getting it fucking done. Cause that means people listen to this 
and watch what they're doing and want to get their shit done as well. And that can't be anything but a great thing. Once again, you know, uh, thanks for listening. I really, really appreciate you listening to this podcast. There's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of metal podcasts out there. Some fucking great ones there. Um, and I'd suggest you check all them out as well. But I like it that you take the time to listen to, to, to our corner of the internet and, and, and this particular uh, podcast. And I really, really appreciate that. Once again, thanks for listening. And I'll see you at the show.